Welcome to Men's Call. Every man has a call by God that if fulfilled will change the world. Today's topic is about George Floyd and the way forward. We just had a podcast about the loss of life of Ahmaud Arbery recently. And now I'm back speaking to further loss of life with George Floyd in Minneapolis. He was detained by four police officers and a knee placed on his neck by one police officer who, upon comments from Mr. Floyd, saying that he could not breathe, that police officer still did not let up on any pressure applied to George Floyd's neck and killed him on video. This has gone viral since then, and it's just as sad as Arbery, Ahmad Arbery, yet there is still hope. And I want you to begin to strategize as God has not called us to simply blow over this or get so mad that we allow Satan to win. This podcast includes an Instagram post I heard today from Dr. Brian Loritz. His website is B-R-Y-A-N-L-O-R-I-T-T-S dot com. Brian I give him full credit for this podcast as this week has been a very tough week for me and my wife. I've had to explain racism to my young children, ages five and eight years old, um, which is very difficult, giving examples that even made them cry, but they needed to know how people really see them so that they can understand, identify, and make the changes they need to make to ensure that they will be able to stand up for themselves. But for today, I don't want this to be about me, but I squarely want this to be put on the shoulders of the entire nation. What do we plan to do about all of these senseless murders to African-Americans? I won't belabor the point as Dr. Brian Loritz explains this perfectly as a black man. Keep in mind, he pastors a multi-ethnic church as well and explains this for all. So this message really is for all. I hope you listen and it begins to change the way we make moves in America. Good morning, uh, Instagram family. Um, I'm even struggling with, um, with, with how to appropriately greet you. Needless to say, this has been a heavy week. Um, and I delayed even, even, even coming on and saying anything because I don't, I don't do well with my words, uh, when I'm angry. And, uh, this week, uh, this week I've been, I've been dealing with a lot of, with a lot of anger. Um, and it's just felt different to me. It, it really has. Um, you know, I've, I've been on this earth, um, a long time. Um, and I've, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. I, I remember being in college and seeing the video of Rodney King and, uh, getting beaten and just having a deeply visceral reaction to it. And then the George Floyd thing happens. I, I would put that as far as just from an emotive perspective, what I felt in the same category, um, deeply disturbing. Um, 
for a man to be handcuffed, pleading for his life, begging for his mama, saying, I can't breathe, my stomach hurts, and a, and, a, and a person commissioned to serve and protect put his knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds while three other cops kind of stand guard, turn, to, turn a blind eye, uh, turn a deaf ear to the bystanders pleading for his life, disturbing. This is, this is different. And I think all the disturbances happening, just 30 cities last night tells us this is different. Um, and, and my, my, uh, my email, my inboxes have just lit up with, you know, the well-meaning typical reactions. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And, and, and let me just say this again, it's well-meaning, but, but let's, let's not rush to solutions without sitting and lament and hearing truth. Because if you do that, that's a cheap reconciliation. And I don't want to use solutions as a hand sanitizer for a guilty conscience. It's not what we're after. However, I, I do want to give a word um, because I just want to encourage you. Um, and I'm sure plenty of you are watching this. You wouldn't necessarily call yourself a person of faith. My worldview uh, is a Christian worldview. Um, and because of that, you know, there's a verse in the Bible where it says that God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, granted, the primary application of that is is vertical, like sharing the good news of Jesus Christ so that fallen man is reconciled to a holy God only through Jesus. But I also think a fair secondary application of the ministry of reconciliation is how can we be a part of bringing together people across the ethnic divide? It's a tough question. So for me, I view myself not as an activist, but as a reconciler. Activists are primarily concerned with the what? They're issue driven. Reconcilers are concerned both with the what and the how. We're people driven. So this is hard. I mean, at the end of the day, Paul says in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so as a black man, I have to remind myself, white people are, are not the enemy. And if you buy into that, Satan has you. That's not to deny the reality of racism. And so we sit, I, I, I sit as a redeemed black man in deep grief over what has happened. And I deal with the realities of that. Um, for, for many, it's a discussion. For me, it's a lived experience. And I wrestle with feelings of fear, going on prayer walks, being cognizant of not wearing a hoodie. Uh, when I'm around white people, just walking, wanting to do everything I can to put them at ease. These are the realities of a black man. One of the questions I'm often asked is, I mean, how do we really attack this? And I, I just want to end this post by, by just by just saying, in the Bible, the Bible gives a comprehensive approach to the problem of sin. And it's a three-pronged approach through three institutions, we might call them systems or structures, God has ordained for the good of humanity. 
And the Christian worldview is, if we're going to really move the ball down the field, we have got to put a full court press and utilize these three institutions. The first institution God creates is the family. Second is the government. Third is the church. We cannot just lean on one of them. All three of them have to be utilized. It begins with the family. Uh, if you're a father, if you're a mother, you are the tenured professor of your home and you have been called and ordained by God to the discipleship of your children and to release from your home children who will better their world for the glory of God. Now that's just not a spiritual commission. In other words, to disciple my kids just doesn't mean I teach them how to have quiet times. It just doesn't mean I just teach them how to pray. It also means that I disciple them not just in a robust soteriology, doctrine of salvation, but I also disciple them in a robust anthropology. And so for me and my kids, the challenge that I have as a black man discipling my children and the reality that we live in a fallen world, the challenge that I have is how to instill in them wisdom, walking in wisdom, without instilling in them bitterness and suspicion. So yes, I teach my kids how to pray. We memorize verses together, so on and so forth. But because racism is a learned behavior that is so steeped in our culture, if I don't give them the vaccine for it, if I don't teach them a biblical perspective, they're going to naturally grab onto it. So we have real talks. When my kids turned 12, I had them read the autobiography of Malcolm X and write me a five page paper juxtaposing the ideology of Malcolm X with the gospel. What's good about Malcolm's ideology? What's not good about it? I, I, I want them to think through these things, as one person said, Christianly. I've got three teenage boys, 19, 17, 15, teaching them how to drive. First lesson has nothing to do with the gas or the brake. It's what to do when you get pulled over and I need you to come home safe. Hands clear so everyone can see them. No sudden movements. Yes, sir. No, sir. This is a part of the discipleship teaching process with my kids. I know this young white girl is cute, son. And I know you go to a Christian school with her, but let's just be real. Her parents may have a problem with it. And I need you to see these things and I need you to understand these things. We've got to teach them. A part of what that may mean for our, for our white brothers and sisters is as you steward these things in your home, you must, it's not good enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. And so when Uncle Bob puts his feet under your Thanksgiving table and starts saying racially insensitive things, you need to create awkward biblical moments where you cut that off at the past because it's just not acceptable. This is a part of what it means to take the home, the institution of the family. It begins there. 
and instilling in your kids a robust anthropology. Secondly, there's the institution of government. Government. Government is an instituted by God for the good of not just a segment of humanity, but all of humanity. You won't find a, a um, someone more passionate than me when it comes to issues of, of, um, of the right to life in the womb. I think abortion is despicable. But if I read the Bible, we don't get the, the privilege of a la carte our justice issues. So if you say you're pro-life, but you're not really standing up for the George Floyds of the world and speaking out against ethnic injustice, you're not pro-life, you're pro-birth. So what, what I need my white evangelical friends to understand is the voting process is a lot more nuanced. And as a black man who loves Jesus, I always feel this tension. I love what one side says as it relates to life in the womb. And I love what another side says, side says when, as it relates to life outside the womb. I feel that tension. The people of color, we must vote. We must vote. We, we need to vote out of office individuals responsible for this white police officer who had, I think, 18 violations and nothing happened to them. It's just not acceptable. We've got to vote and vote in individuals who are going to be used for the good of human flourishing. Our grandmothers and grandfathers died for the privilege of voting. So we've got to vote. Thirdly and finally, there's the institution of the church. I'm grateful for Dr. King and the way God used him for the legislative advances. Because of Dr. King, I can sit on any bus I want, in any seat that I want, drink out of any water fountain I want, sleep in any hotel that I want. But while government can change laws, it cannot change hearts. That's the spirit of God. That's why the promise of the new covenant in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God says, I'm going to take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, God says the way that I'm going to deal with sin, I'm not going to deal with it externally, just dealing with behaviors. I'm not just concerned about your hands. I'm concerned about your hearts. I'm going to reform you, not just on the outside, but on the inside out. So that's where the church comes in. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm a champion of the multi-ethnic church. Please don't, please don't hear, hear me as saying there's no place for um, the homogenous church. I think churches should, rec should represent their community. But the power of the multi-ethnic church, just think of it. It's putting people together in close community. Imagine a church 
where the George Floyds are worshiping next to white police officers sitting in, in small groups together. As my friend Eric Mason says, proximity breeds empathy, distance breeds suspicion. And I will labor to my dying day to see that because I believe where there are multi-ethnic churches that are becoming the new norm, coupled with government and, and, and electing officials who have our agenda, coupled with parents, mothers, and fathers who are doing everything they can to steward the institution of the family holistically and speaking not just to the soul, but also to a robust, rich anthropology, I think then we will see some progress. I'm tired, y'all. This bad song has been on repeat for 400 years. And we've got to attack this personally and structurally through the family, the government, and the church. God bless you. Man, please believe none of this happens without you walking into your calling, which relates directly with what he just spoke to. If you have questions, see the link to my email. If you want to get more details on upcoming series or peek into the next week, just look on the men's call pod bean page. Please give a listen to the podcast from last week as well called Love Thy Neighbor, where I had three good friends all speak to loving thy neighbor. They were all believers in Christ. It was my good friend, Self, from my hometown, my other good friend, Douglas, from California, and my other good friend, Luke, who I met in North Carolina in college, who's now in California as well. You'll be glad you listen to it and hear the different experiences that they have coming from different cultures and different nationalities. The different cultures being uh, there's a white person, there's a black person, and there's a person of Chinese origin. You will really enjoy that podcast, so please take a listen to that. Again, I just want to thank you for joining Men's Call Podcast, where we gain insight to our calling by God and take action that will change our world for the better. Until next time.